New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Dr. Jed Diamond, author of 12 Rules for Good Men. I'm speaking with Jed at his home by remote connection. Jed, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. It's great to be with you. It's great to have you. Jed, how can men break free of the cultural pressure of the man box? And what is the man box? Well, in my, my mind, the man box is a set of beliefs and strictures that tell us, usually from the time we're born even, what it is we're supposed to be and what it means to be a man uh, that are not truly who we are. They're things like uh, men are supposed to be strong always. Men don't cry. Uh, you got to be tough. Don't let your feelings out. Do unto others before they do unto you. A guy's got to do what a guy's got to do. These kind of things that we grow up with. Even the nursery rhyme, uh, you know, little boys are made of snips and snails and puppy dogs' tails. And little girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice. And you know, we laugh about it as, you know, we, we heard that somewhere growing up or something like it. But when you drill down, what what is it about cutting off puppy dogs' tails? And, you know, there's definitely something yucky about being male. <laughs> and on the other hand, there's something always sweet and nice. And both of those contrasts really have hidden barbs to them and a hidden restriction and the male side, it's a man box that is something that we don't want to be in because they are not really supportive of being the full person that we really are and want to be and need to be. Exactly. And to be fully living in our well-beingness, let's say, if we live in that way, it's fraught with anxiety and anger and depression even. And I'm thinking also that one of the epidemics in our society is isolation and loneliness. And I think this most especially can apply to men and so you suggest as one of the ways to heal this is for men to actually start a men's group. And you've been meeting with your men's group for 42 years now. So I want to ask you, Jed, what is your advice for someone who's saying, okay, maybe I would like to start this, but I don't even know how. So what would you advise? Well, let me say just a couple of things about men's group as an idea. For many men, the whole notion of being in a men's group has feelings of going out in the woods and drumming or thoughts of 
joining some kind of a cult or, you know, it, it has negative connotations to it. And I want to just say at the core, you, you said that there's an epidemic of loneliness, particularly among men. And in its very basic core, a men's group is simply being with other guys, you know, in whatever form that is, in a way where we are caring and supportive of each other. And we all remember times when we were children in a playgroup, playing sports, just hanging out together, just guys on the corner. And as we get older, we lose some of that connection. When I talk about join a men's group, I'm talking about an active engagement because so many places where men get together now are either work-related or sports-related, but we hunger increasingly for a place and a way to get together where we can talk about what's really going on in our lives, what's really alive for us, what support we really need. And as you said, I've been in a men's group for 42 years now. My wife says that uh, one of the reasons we have such a good 41-year marriage is that I've been in a men's group for 42 years, and she's been in a women's group. So it's really something that's not weird at all. It's really quite natural. For most of human history, men were in rites of passage, healthy men's groups, and we've really lost that. And it's part of the reason as we get older, particularly, we get and feel more and more isolated. So it's a very natural thing to be in a men's group. And what I've helped develop is simply a way of bringing men together and some technology for how we can initiate, basically just letting guys know how we're really feeling rather than, you know, how we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to act. And I would suggest, too, if some man is listening to this, you may not have to find 12 men to join you. You know, start small. It's fine. Start with three of you if you can find two other friends and build on that. Allow yourself to build on that, not to have to feel like you have to have this huge group all at once. Uh, would, would you concur? Yeah, very much so. I mean, the first group I, I got into was we all came together at a single time in a group form. But I've been in a recent group where it started even smaller than you're describing. Uh, I just had a buddy that I thought being in a, a group would be fun with. So I asked him if he were interested and he and I hung out together for a while. And then we said, what do you think? Can we find a third guy? And the two of us kind of talked and said, yeah, let's invite this guy. And then once we had three, then we invited a fourth guy. So you, you can start just one one guy at a time and just say, hey, we need to be with guys. We need to have a place we can be ourselves to talk honestly, to share our feelings. And, you know, once you get that it's okay, once you get that you need it, we all need it, then it's pretty easy to do if you just reach out because people, guys want it, they need it. They often just need somebody to ask them, hey, how about hanging out together? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. And, you know, another idea that I want to throw out, Jed, is that in our very busy lives, it's easy to let some things slide. We probably won't let our dentist appointment slide. 
but we might let our men's circle or women's circle slide. And what I'm suggesting is that it's really important to make this a priority and to meet regularly, however you set it up. It may be once a month, it may be once a week, it may be once every three months, whatever it is, that that appointment is sacred. This is at least what I've experienced with my women's groups. Well, I've experienced more women and women's groups have done that than men and men's groups. Uh, but I think once you find out how important it is, you know, Robert Bly, uh, the poet Robert Bly talked about, you know, males needing to be with other males in order to hear the sound that male cells sing. It's a very poetic way of reminding us that on a cellular level, we need to hear the sound that male cells sing in a group. If there's a woman, then there aren't all the male cells singing. It's a different sound. We need to be in groups with males and females, but we also need those single sex energies that are so vital and so important. So I agree, we need that and it's essential for all of us. And making it a priority, my men's group has, like I said, been meeting for 42 years. The only time I ever missed a group, and I actually didn't miss, but I was in the hospital and we carried <laughs> on the group while I was in the hospital because it was that important that we meet. When your men's group first started off and you would bring your son, I think, and maybe even daughter to it. They were very young, and there was some a bedroom where they had bunk beds and they could sleep while you all were meeting. But you describe how they're hearing the voices of the men in the circle and hearing probably the laughter and the whatever. Just as you say, it's like Bly said, they were hearing the cells of the men. How did that affect them? After their mom and I were separated, they were visiting for the summer, and they came to the men's group because, you know, they were with me. And as you said, they went to sleep, got bunk beds. And now my son is uh, 52. My daughter is uh, 48. And they still remember the men's group. And that experience when they were little kids. They've since had other contact with the men's group. But if you think about it, that's the way humans have lived for two million years, where the children fell asleep, you know, when the men were in council meeting, or the children fell asleep when the women were meeting and talking with the women's group. So it's really an ancient part of what I call our partnership roots, our partnership culture that we've kind of lost connection with in some ways that we need to get back to and recreate. I know that your grandson asked for you to help him in finding a rite of passage, and you took him to a place, a meeting, a gathering that did rites of passage, and you asked him on the way, you said, what do you want to get out of this? Do you recall his answer to that, Jed? Yeah, I can't quote it exactly, but it's interesting how it started. My daughter is adopted, his mother, 
and she's African-American, so he's African-American. And what he started with, he came up to me one day, he was like 12 years old, and said, uh, you know, I'm thinking, Grandpa, that maybe I'd like a bar mitzvah. I'm Jewish by background, but not religious. I didn't have a bar mitzvah. I said, well, where did you hear that? What makes you, what, what do you mean? Well, it turned out he didn't want, you know, to read Hebrew kind of uh, prayers, but he wanted some kind of uh, what we call a rite of passage. And so I found a special group that was mixed with African-American kids and Anglo kids. And as I was taking him to the park, and he's typical kind of teenager, doesn't talk very much, kind of, you wondered, what's he thinking? So I asked him that question. So what what is it you want? And he was just very, very articulate saying, you know, I really need to be around some people that will, you know, help me be a man. I feel lost. That was what he said. I feel lost and I need help. And it was like, whoa, yes. And then he actually wrote out some things of what he wanted. It's a very, like, how did you know that? How, how did you even be aware if he wanted to find ways that he could express himself and he felt he was lost and he needed help and he was hoping to find this in you know this group and he did. He came through that and he's now again an adult and still remembers that offering and my taking him to that special uh, weekend experience together. How wonderful. I'm just imagining uh, all the ways that we can be mentors to our grandchildren and not to be afraid to step up and help them out. Oh, Jed, there's so much more to talk about, but I encourage people to pick up the book and go to the website. And I want to thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. Thank you, Justine. It's it's really, really deeply a pleasure to share with you and to be part of the cafe with you. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Dr. Jed Diamond, author of 12 Rules for Good Men. And if you want to learn more about his work, you can go to his website, menalive.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe And I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.